Right, welcome to the Film Craft Podcast. I was so close to screaming at <laughs> You had it right this time. Welcome to Film Craft. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, we are in what we think is going to be the last episode of post-production. If you're like me, in post-production wears on you, I, I, it's my least favorite part of the movie, but I think Latif would argue that it's his favorite. No, I, I really enjoy production, mm. but I'd say good at post-production because I'm very patient yeah so like I can I can handle the wearing down of your soul <laughs> I'm used to that shit <laughs> my soul's more robust <laughs> it's built for pain <laughs> so I wear all black <laughs> I was very conscious of that today we had a meeting with some producers this morning yeah and then I took off my jacket and I was like going all black it's all like mm-hmm. very black and I'm like look like a some sort of evil like genius or a mob <laughs> boss or something i'm like why do i wear so much black even my shoes were like jet black yeah it was very going for that villain look eh not on purpose <laughs> <laughs> but you said you were conscious of it i know cause or I'm, you were oh, self-conscious of it no i became self-conscious i was like okay let's throw on my black sweater with my black pants and my black shoes Right before you left the house, were you like, I look badass? No, I was like, I, I better not be late for this meeting. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the last three cuts of the movie that you do, which would be editor's cut, director's cut, and your final cut. going to talk about that, um, putting music into your feature, the screening of it, and it can be awesome. Yeah. Okay. And also, it would be fun to talk about, like we discussed earlier, but like, the kind of feedback you'll expect from your first screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we just finished finished reshoots. What's the first thing you do when going to this fourth cut? Well, the same thing, like, with uh, organizing. I take all the reshoot stuff, sync it, put it in its folder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put it in the same folder as the scene it's uh, associated with. Okay. So, we might reshoot the scene for... Uh, six and it'll be scene six but I'll put a reshoot and tag it at the end mm-hmm. just so I know yeah and I don't have to go through everything I just can kind of read that okay so like very specific like and if you in it <laughs> excuse me if you've done your job then you won't be able to tell the difference between visually between the old footage and the new footage so yeah. it'll be good to give something a label to that yeah, yeah yeah it'll look exactly the same so you can in premiere you can change the color of the shot mm-hmm and also just name it differently. So, okay. It so you're done that. Um, would be the first. Would the first thing you actually do be put that new footage into the movie? Not directly. Like okay. what I would Why do. Not? Like I'd save the cut I have mm-hmm. and start a new cut. Yeah. And then start. It depends. Like sometimes I'll take the the stuff for the reshoot. I'll extract the scene I'm editing, mm-hmm. move that aside, and then start playing with it. Okay. And then bring that whole scene back into the uh, final film instead of going directly into the film because there's so much there. Sometimes you can accidentally like erase or remove something. Mm-hmm. So I'll take the scene, copy it, put it like aside on the timeline, and so bring the reshoot footage into that. So you'd figure out the scene with the reshoot yeah. separately, then bring it back into the movie. Then bring it back into the whole timeline. Yep. Just because there's so much there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easier to punch in and out when it's a little smaller. So, okay. Yeah. The fourth cut is largely your cut. Yeah, what do you do to make it yours? What ideas do you have? Well, I think before I go into the editor's cut, we do sit down and put all the 
new scenes in. And once the scenes are in place, then I start like my cut because everything is kind of set. I wouldn't just like do my cut with the reshoots first. Okay. So I think me and you did sit down and just put in the reshoot footage. Okay. And then I'd do my own cut. But so for my version, what I do, I'm I'm strictly going based off my intuition. Mm -hmm. Like if I like this, I'll keep it. If I don't, I'll remove it. Yep. And just be very hard about that. Like I'm not thinking about oh, but man likes that or, or whatever. I'm yeah, because like, it's your cut. Yeah, because I'm like, what what do I want to see and what do I like? So mm -hmm. I might do something drastically different. Okay. But that's a good thing about archiving your cuts. Yeah. You can always go back and. Mm -hmm. but generally, if you do a good job, you work off that cut and make little adjustments. But there was nothing. I didn't do like a crazy overhaul or anything. So it was pretty easy to go from there. Yeah. Okay, and then once you're finished your cut, with, or let's back up, with your cut, was there anything substantial that you would say you changed or removed or added or anything like that? Really, it might be a little moment from uh, an actor, like a take or something, or, or just briefly, like how quickly we go into a scene. Okay. Because I like to very, very much fine-tune all the little moments. So even in like a, an extra second off the beginning of a scene I'll take, which okay. most people wouldn't notice, but just in terms of time and pacing, like I notice like those little minute details yeah. and actually have a, a feel and, and they change the pace. So I, I, yeah, go through everything and by the time I'm done my editor's cut, like I essentially have a shorter film because I will take a lot of things out and essentially like the film is uh, reduced by two or three minutes just by like snipping away at like the ends or beginnings of scenes and stuff like that yeah okay and then anything other th did you change anything other than that no there weren't any other big changes or overhauls mm. because we were pretty much on the same page mm. so I think uh, it's just minor minor moments that honestly like if I showed you an editor's cut you'd be like I don't know what you did <laughs> Like it, it just would, gets it such slight trims. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like when we talk about writing, mm -hmm. and I give you like a, a note or an idea on like a scene. Yeah. It's literally minute. It's like little details that I find interesting. This line might be a bit better. Or, or this or just, yeah, instead of like try this with the scene. That's a completely different concept. Mm -hmm. So it's very like you know, uh, pinpointing something specific and, and focusing on that. But because it's. It's like a micro issue and not a macro issue. Yeah. It's hard to notice those things. Okay. But if you looked at the time code, you could see a difference in time. Yeah. And you'd be like, what did you change? Mm -hmm. But uh, most editors who are very uh, precise and picky at what they, at what they do um, will usually remove when they edit. They'll just take stuff out yeah. continually. So that's just how I work. Okay, yeah. cool. So then we're done editor's cut, uh, brought it over to me, and honestly, like, it was the same kind of things, just like, finding a little bit like, oh, maybe we don't need this line. At this point, we were pretty locked down on coverage, it wasn't like, I like looking at Latif for this section instead of looking at Matt. Like, most of the shots were dialed in, um, but the one thing with here, which our director's cut and final cut kind of bled together. Um, we started adding music. Mm. So, let's touch on how you would do um, a movie. Ours was just straight, I got bands that had written music and I put their songs into our movie. Yeah. 
if you're doing something with a score, you're not going to quite do it this way. You would wait until you have you, your picture locked. You'd send it to your composer. Mm-hmm. He'll score your movie. That's how it works. Yeah. But with us and the way we were doing it, it almost gave us a kind of freedom in a way. Where a couple scenes, I knew exactly where I wanted the songs, what song I wanted. Mm-hmm. But there was a few scenes where I just had this giant catalog of artists that said, I'd love to be a part of your movie. Yeah. Um, use my shit. (laughs) So we would look at a scene and say, okay, this scene is a bit more lively. They're energetic in their performance. They're moving around a little bit. Let's try something with a little more energy. And we would just play around with it. And one of the things that I think really benefited us from that is we would say, let's try this song. And then if a song had a certain beat, like the course ended one second before we had had the scene change, we can edit to the music, mm-hmm. which we did a little bit of, and yeah. it really enhances the movie. Uh, whereas if you have score, um, it's largely... Well, having said this, I haven't made a feature with a score. <laughs> I'm about to. With but, an original score. Yeah. Yes, yes, correct. It's the composer's job to be like, I need to match to your cuts. Yeah. Do you find that? Because you've worked on features with original scores, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it depends if the music is... Because like in, in post-sound, you also have uh, someone who do music editing. Mm-hmm. So there might be a case where the, a composer makes pieces and for the film, and then the music editor will really fine-tune like how that cuts together. Okay. Um just for timing and stuff like that. Yeah. Because like a, a composer might make a three-minute piece about mm-hmm. love, and that's what you ask for. But you need a minute and forty. Yes, the yeah. music editor will take that and compress it. Okay. So that's not, you know, three minutes. Yeah. Where you don't need it, but, uh, yeah. Uh, but there are instances like what, famously like Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. when he made Interstellar, for example. He yeah. He like wrote a page of something and gave it to Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Way before the movie, mm-hmm. he didn't even know what the movie was about. Yep. And then he just made the a soundtrack, a lot of it from that, and that's how he came up with the idea. Yeah. So like, uh, working with the composer, the conventional way or the standard way, not conventional, is mm-hmm. to lock picture and then they start. Yeah. But in our case, because we had music before we even shot the movie, mm-hmm. we just had a bunch of stuff we could go through. Yeah. This would be a good opportunity to talk about temp music, too. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I haven't made a, a film with an original score. Mm-hmm. We're in the process of doing our second one now, which we're getting pretty close to production. And in the past couple of months, I have been talking to a composer who is fantastic. Yeah. And I'm largely decided on this composer. But having said that, every composer I have talked to it's been synonymous that they've said two things. One, thank you for not wanting to use temp music. And two, thank you for getting me involved this early. So explaining both of those real quick, just based off what everyone's told me, what I know and what these composers have said to me, is so temp music is the practice of in, say, your director's cut, it's where you want to start adding your music. You, when you add music, your movie just it comes to life it adds so much and some directors will just say 300 is very um a very good example and a very notorious example for this of they borrowed the score from gladiator mm-hmm. what um, actually i'm pretty sure it's gladiator they did temp music with a very famous movie 
And uh, so Zack Snyder cut his movie, put that soundtrack in, and then when his when he was picture locked, he sent it to the composer and said, "I want something like this." Their final score ended up resembling Gladiator so much that they got sued over it. And what you'll hear composers say is, when a director gets married to temp music, mm-hmm. they have seen the movie from fin- start to finish. They've edited the entire thing. They're used to that music, and they've even edited to a couple of the audio beats. So it really limits the composer, and composers don't like that. You can look um, at talks that really, really famous composers have done, and they'll tell you the same thing. Please don't use temp music. <laughs> and it's largely the road that I'm trying to take right now. Um, yeah, because as you're... As you're mentioning that, I'm, I'm trying to look up, because uh, the, the most famous story I know is 2001 Space Odyssey. Okay. Stanley Kubrick, the opening scene where you hear the, mm. like that is famously such an iconic thing in film. Okay. But uh, that was temp music, and Stanley Kubrick really? had a composer make uh, something for that. Mm-hmm. And then when he heard it, it was like, yeah, good job. But he was so married to that music yeah. that he stayed with that. Okay. And the temp music became the original. Did he get sued? Uh, no, no all, the, all that was, was taken care of because they, okay. they had money to make it. I'm trying to find the name of the composer. I'm trying to... Hopefully, if you're really early in pre-production, you'll kind of have an idea of what you want the music to be. For this next project we're doing, for instance, I... Um, gave examples of computer composers of a lot of Japanese pianists. I like the idea of this score having a lot of breathing room and just I, being very beautiful. I literally thought you said Japanese penis. I know. Every composer that I've said that to is like, do you say Japanese penis? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I gave him a lot of Japanese penises. <laughs> Can you imagine the guy you get totally... He's like so locked in, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to like ask. He's like... Fuck, I gotta make music with Japanese penis. Does he mean porn? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I gave him a bunch of reference music of, this is how I kind of see it. And just tell your composers, like, send them a script, they read it, they kind of feel the tone of it based off of these sample music. And not temp music, because you're not putting it in a timeline, you're not putting it next to your film, you haven't even shot it yet. How do you picture this? And if you're on the same page with it, you've heard the previous music, and it's good, just... What I would say is, go with your gut. You like a guy, he he gets it, he's on your same wavelength, go with it. So as far as composer goes, I would say, yeah, they're very thankful that you don't use temp music. And they really like being involved early, because one of the (coughs) worst things from what I've heard is, uh, you'll go to a composer and be like, hey man, we need a score done. It's like, okay, cool, what are you thinking? And you'll give them a brief rundown and be like, yeah, we already shot it. We have, to, uh, we have a deadline in two weeks, so can you go do that now? Yeah. Like, it takes a long while writing music, especially... Unless you, yeah, unless you have a lot of money to throw at a composer. Yeah, especially scores, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, so the sooner you can get them involved, yeah. the better. Yeah, that, that's definitely... Yeah, the guy's name is Alex North, and he made the s- score for that. And then mm-hmm. Kubrick was like... Uh, let's stick with uh, what I got here <laughs> fuck your score <laughs> pretty much yeah so that's the thing like I think uh, when you make uh, I don't mind because I've done music for a couple films mm-hmm. if they're sent music I don't mind because I'm hyper competitive and I'm like yeah. I'm going to make something better than that <laughs> <laughs> but usually it doesn't happen anyways but yeah yeah like, I totally get what you mean so it's mm-hmm. good I think it's just best practice to be like 
start from scratch. Even if you have temp music mm-hmm. and you're about to bring a composer on, just remove it and don't even tell them. And well, I think the idea is that isn't that the composer is frightened by the challenge of the temp music. He's mm-hmm. frightened that you're so married to it that anything he writes, you're just going to be like, uh, but I like right, that right, right. one. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I came from a completely different direction. In my head, I'm like, all composers are wimps, and they can't take on the challenge. <laughs> this is like my, my brain working differently. No, that's fair. Like, most people do get attached. Yeah. Really attached to temp music, so. Yeah. It's but, fair. yeah, going way back to what we had was original band music. Um, so I think it's important to let, if you're going that route, let the movie speak to you. What kind of song does it want in there? How loud does it want to be? And that can be anything from like you're feeling the energy of the scene, um, you're going with or against that energy, or if your music exists in your movie, for example, we are a party movie, mm. through this movie there is people playing music because that happens at parties. So if you're in the room where the music is being played, you're probably going to want it a little louder. If you're outside the house having a smoke, you're going to want it somewhat muted and diluted in the background, right? right. So like, you get a lot of stuff for free in the sense that if you just listen to your movie, it's going to tell you a lot about where to put your music and what it should be. Mm-hmm. And if you're at this point, you've directed it, maybe you've written it, um, and you're editing it, you're, you're involved in this creative process, you have that ability to let the, mu- the movie talk to you. Mm-hmm. So I'd say your first course of action is to do that. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. Sweet. So yeah, then we... Put all the music to the entire movie, um, and it went really well. I don't think we compromised on any scene with a, like, oh, we don't have anything. Let's just throw this in there, did we? No, it was really more of, we had so much music that we would test different tracks in a scene. Mm-hmm. And be like, does this fit here? Yeah. And if it didn't, we'd cycle through the catalog and, and find another song, which was kind of awesome to have that many pieces available to us but yeah it was yeah. really nice I would suggest it to anyone doing this road too like yeah just ask musicians for music to, they're happy to give you something yeah and like I think we touched it on one of the pre-production episodes but uh, how to contact people and yeah yeah man like I, I can't even imagine try, saving that for posts and trying to do it then because like we were so wiped there was so much going on yeah. and posts like I do love it to a degree but it can be dragging through the mud sometimes so yeah. like if you were Trying to get a hold of 20 bands to give... Get, <laughs> get some rights. Yeah, for free to, like, yeah. do it early. I'm really glad I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you also have time, because you want to actually listen to the music. You don't want to just be like, yeah, we'll use your music, and you, yeah. and you hate what they make. So you have to, you know, sit down, listen to the music, and if you like it, be like, yeah, we'll take your whatever. So, yeah. And that takes time, so yeah, I definitely. think it's good to sit down and do that. We have Pitcher Lock. We have done our ADR um, reshoots. We put all our music in. Yeah. Um, and we're going to go for a sound mix. Can you think of anything other, anything else that we did before we went for a sound mix? Oh, the credits. We, uh, oh, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah Those are really sure fun. The credits were all locked in and stuff because uh, I don't want to add that after because it changes the length of the film and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you add the credits before you picture lock as well. So we did the slates and and then uh, we did an interesting way of showing the credits. Yeah, I remember coming to you because we hadn't talked about credits until the end. We did the credits, yeah. um, and I remember saying like, 
This might, if everything goes really, really well, this might be our only chance to have complete creative freedom. Like, if someone else was paying for our movie, they might be like, I want your more traditional movie credits. Have the name scrolling white over a black backdrop, right? Mm. And I was like, let's have some fun with it. Let's do whatever we want. Make it a lot of fun, just like the movie. So we used, like, behind-the-scenes footage and bloopers and outtakes and just went through every actor, every crew member, gave mm. them a little, you know, two, three-second thing, and then froze frame. Yeah. yeah, and had their... Yeah, it was really, really nice and played yeah. another song by a really talented artist out of Toronto, Alex McCulloch. Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, Alex. I do it every time and I feel bad every time, <laughs> but your music's phenomenal. Everyone should check her out. Um, yeah, very, very talented. So yeah, we had um, a little slideshow kind of montage thing yeah. for her credits. Like after the final shot of the film, uh, the music starts playing and then mm-hmm. you, you get just like a a moment, two, three seconds of each actor kind of breaking the line and looking at the camera. Yeah. And we freeze on them, show the name. Mm-hmm. And then we started going into the crew and we had like a shot of every person. Yep. Uh, even if it was brief. Yeah. And uh, it's fun to watch. And I, th- and I think that's the thing that me and Matt liked was it was an interesting way to show the credits and mm-hmm. but also like to share everyone that was part of the film. Yeah. And, and the crew and the cast, uh, they just really liked that as well. Yeah, and you can yeah you have a ton of fun with it. Like right yeah. down to, my wife was an extra in one of the scenes, and her only condition was that she can't be in the movie in focus. She's like, I don't want to do that. And, you know, fair enough. Not everyone wants to be in front of the camera, but I was like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so you have her in the movie. Yeah. So in the credits, I it shows over her, and that pauses, and it says Kate Ralston, uh, and then I think it said. What did it say? It was like... Oh, yeah. Like, it was like... I promised I wouldn't put you in the movie. The wife of the director. Promise I won't put you in the movie. Please don't divorce me. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, even when she saw that at the screening, everyone laughed. Yeah. And, you know, it's a good time. So if you find yourself in a situation like that... And our movie really called for credits like that because it's fun. It gives you that vibe. You just want to smile at the end. So those credits really fit. I would recommend finding your own style of... Yeah, appropriate credits yeah yeah and then let's touch on the post credits <laughs> real quick oh man the last thing yeah i remember writing the movie and i was like these marvel movies they do these post credit scenes they're so epic and they're like oh my god i can't wait for this next movie and i was like what's the total opposite of that <laughs> so we have a post credit scene that might be eight seconds long <laughs> yeah, it's super short. And it teases nothing. <laughs> it's very uh, it, vulgar. It's very vulgar. It really doesn't add much, but it's really funny. <laughs> that was like the the thing in the movie that was very, I guess, selfish. We're like, mm. yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even intend it as like a fuck you to Marvel movies I yeah, actually yeah. really enjoy Marvel movies I just thought it would be interesting because people are starting to stay in post credits in movies so if they did with ours being like I wonder if they have something it'll just totally be like everyone would leave being like I didn't expect that <laughs> I have a feeling because we didn't even tease it and you don't expect it from an independent film yeah like one guy is going to see it and be like holy shit has <laughs> <laughs> anyone else seen this part of this movie <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was hilarious. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Because I did this weird cut 
I don't, I don't want to say what it is, but it's yeah, a weird ruin cut. It. Right when it happened, and then we laughed our asses off, and we're like, yeah, that's how we end our movie. <laughs> yeah. And we just left it. The most inappropriate style you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait till that comes out. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be awesome. Okay, so yeah, then we're off to a sound mix. So I'll let you talk a little bit about it at first. Mm-hmm. Having done sound mixes before, and been a part of features where others have done sound mixes, Yeah. walk our audience through it. You, you're adding anything that needs to be in the film and doing like a mix on it. Mm. So if there's just background atmosphere sound, they'll add it. If there's sound effects, they'll add mm. it. And then they'll do a mix on the music. They'll do dialogue editing. Well, it's post sound, not like a sound mix. Like yeah. when we go into post sound, we'll go through all these steps and talk yeah. a little bit about sound design real quick because I remember the first time mm. I approached a sound guy he was like do you need sound design and I didn't say it but I was like what the fuck sound design <laughs> you didn't know what it was <laughs> no I had no idea <laughs> so it was like um not really and then I went home and googled sound design <laughs> I think like correct me if I'm wrong well if you're listening and you're a sound guy you'll know if I'm wrong yeah and then you can uh uh, I don't know. Figure it out. And then... <laughs> <laughs> the general gist I got from it is if there's ever any sound in it, it's pretty literal, actually. Any sound in your movie that needs designing. So, for example... Um, like something that's not real, for example. Yeah, or something that's like heavily modified, I yeah. guess. Like For instance, we're working on a project where we have a cartoon in it. Yeah. That would need sound design because when your characters walk, you need to make their footsteps. And when they All that stuff, yeah. get up, that's another sound effect. You have to design that sound. Yeah. Or... Um, there's a dragon and he breathes fire. You have yeah. To... yeah, exactly. Or what's the sound of a black hole? Yeah, and like it can really come down to, like, say, a character was on, you know, just got shot up with a bunch of acid or something right. involuntarily, and like sound was coming in and out really strange way. That could be sound design, right? Yeah. So those yeah. are elements that fall into the sound design. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyways, I cut you off. Continue. Yeah, and then uh, they'll do. Well, this is where you would do ADR, but we did a little earlier because yeah. I. We had access to it. Yeah, so I could do it, but this is where you would do ADR if you need to. Mm -hmm. Um, Voiceover, mixing, dialogue, editing, which is when you edit the dialogue of the characters Mm -hmm. so everything's clean and fits. And uh, stuff like that. That's the whole process of post-sound. Yeah. I hope not missing anything. Mm. Mixing, yeah, atmosphere, background, foley. Mm Mm-hmm. Odds are if you're doing the same kind of movie we were, very micro-budget, you're doing something that's very grounded and character-driven, so you shouldn't need much sound design, you probably won't don't have money for much sound design or anything like that, so really their sound mix is going to be a simple, give it to your sound guy, say, here's how I picture it, he'll watch it, kind of get the vibe of the movie, he'll ask you a couple questions, you give him a few notes, he'll come back to you with a, hey man, I did a sound pass, you listen to it, watch the movie and listen to it and then say just give notes like hey man um some of the notes i gave was like uh i think we're outside in this scene the background noises of people partying should be a little bit more muted and further away as if they were inside the house mm-hmm. um let's have the sound of this shot glass hitting the table be a little bit beefier and louder yeah. like just little things that make your 
world more believable because there's a famous saying that people will forgive okay images. Like if you see something, you're like, oh, that's a really strange image. It's a little blurry or something. You'll forgive it and or think that's a strange artistic choice. But if you have bad sound, no one ever forgives that because it's something that's so wrong in your conscience that you can't forgive it. Mm. And sometimes you can't even explain it. You're just watching a movie and you're like, I don't know why, but this movie is off. Yeah. So take some time with your post sound and anything you can do to make any notes you can give so your sound editor can make it a bit more believable for the world that it's in. Take your time. Yeah. 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 Post sound is important so it's not good to skimp and mm-hmm. and not be like attentive. Like you have to be present through all of that. And trust me, you're gonna get the temptation because at this point you're so fucking done with editing. Yeah. And it kind of feels like it's falling into someone's hands. Yeah. But you still have to be steering the way it kind of goes. Yeah, so, so like, you're going to be wiped, and you're going to be like, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. Yeah. Someone else just watched a goddamn movie. <laughs> but you're almost there, just power through it. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it might be a good idea also to have a future episode, like a side one, where maybe we talk to Derek, our sound guy. Yeah, I was thinking that. And really get into the, the dirt about, like, what really, it, like, what, what it really takes to do all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Know? He'll give some good insight. Yeah, we'll bring him on. Cool. Yeah, so um, once your post sound is done, which we did just cover very quickly, it's going to take a lot longer, IRL. But once that's done, um, color correction. Mm. Yeah, so Latif did color correction. Talk a bit about color correction. Well, because I shot the film, I wanted to do color correction just because I had an idea of what direction I wanted to go and what I wanted it to look like. And, and we'd had this discussion before and we had references so it was pretty straightforward like we didn't when we went into color correction you're just kind of like all right color correction and then you just disappeared for a couple of weeks yeah well and then especially well, like yeah. we mentioned before um with our promo videos and test footage you've yeah. been like this is what i'm thinking for the color and i was like look sweet Great. do it yeah <laughs> well exactly like it, that's bec- that's why it was so simple where i could just go away on my own for a week and a half and, and yeah. go through all... Well, it didn't take that long. I'm t- yeah, you were fast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it only took like three days, really. Mm-hmm. But Probably because you had done so much of that work prior to it. You knew the color you wanted. Yeah. You weren't fishing around. Yeah. I, yeah, as, as I was going through the film, I would just throw on a LUT um, onto a piece of footage. That's just like a an algorithm-based like thing that gives you a certain look. Mm. Um, I don't know what, the, what it stands for. Well, let's just back up real quick and tell them how and why you arrived at that color and what they can do to find their best color for their movie. Okay, well, I've done color on a couple of features and music videos and a bunch of short films. And uh, having that experience and going into it, like, I I wouldn't say I'm like a professional colorist because there's people who like really specialize in that mm-hmm. and they're like really technical and good at what to do so I'm just I'm good enough where I can do that work on a lot of things and I've done it yeah. in commercials and stuff like that but not to the point where that's all I do so mm-hmm. my process for color correction is obviously have calibrated monitors so I have um, my main monitor that I work off and a second one just to make sure you know, everything's good and, mm. and equalized. There's and, no discrepancies. Yeah, it's very neutral. And then 
also just to have like a big a big TV mm-hmm. that you also work off so you can see noise and stuff because the bigger the what's noise noise is uh, like when the image is underexposed and you see artifacts in the in the image like, like in the shadows what's artifacts just, it'll, it'll literally just look like dots okay like grain mm-hmm. that's what it'll look like so noise is just one that's too dark and you start to see the shot is just not as clear and crisp and yeah yeah it doesn't look uh, as sexy as if it was properly exposed. Yeah. So, like, a, you have a big monitor for checking out that and making sure everything is uh, free of noise and you could do some noise reduction and stuff like that. So, generally, you get a shot, uh, and we shot an S-Log 3. <laughs> S-Log 3 is just a flat profile. It's about uh, balancing the image, making sure it's neutral. I like to do that. So, I'll neutralize the image, make sure it's not too yellow, not too blue or green or any tint Mm -hmm. and then bring up the contrast and then once everything is like clean and and like looking good then i'll stylize it a little at the end to give it a certain look well just talk a tiny bit about how people might find the style for their movie so for instance ours was very natural and i'm sure if you've listened to all these podcast episodes you know that we're going for a very naturalistic look but you look at Say David Fincher, for instance, and he really right. brings out the green, right? Like big time. You look at uh, Zack Snyder, and he has a very stylized kind of like blackish blue tones everywhere. Yeah. So if a director is coming into this, a first-time director, mm-hmm. and they don't quite know how they want it to look, right. how would you find that color? Would you just ask yourself like, what's the tone of this movie, and what color palette do I think goes best with that? Mm-hmm. What would you do? I mean, beforehand, you would know, I think, kind of these things. Okay. Like in, in your, like you might have a mood board or just even just reference images of stuff that mm-hmm. you're aiming for. And that's a great way to... Okay. Just for the sake of the sake, say they didn't have any of this, they hadn't even thought of it, and they're at right. this point. What would you do? And they're sitting with their colorist. And yeah. And he's like, what do you want? They're like, I don't know. If you literally don't know, ask them what they think. Okay. Because like, you know, they're the expert. They're the one who who's going to be doing like the technical work so ask them what do you think yep um like i but like honestly you should have an idea but if you don't know be like i'm not exactly sure i want it to look cinematic or i don't want it to look too cinematic so at very least would you say that if you somehow made it to this point you haven't thought about the look you should at least be like i kind of want it to look like this movie or this movie just give some examples like if you have some reference movies that's a great way Mm -hmm. for them to like get a very immediate idea of what you're talking about okay but then also, like, you have to understand if your footage doesn't look good yeah. and you just weren't happy, but you're expecting it to look like a David Fincher movie, you know, you're going <laughs> to... Color can't save it. Yeah, like, you have to shoot it properly to get in the in the direction you're trying to go. Like, yeah. you, you can't just expect your colors to save your film. Mm-hmm. Like, in my opinion, a color, like someone who does uh, color on a film... Um, because uh, color correction is like when you're correcting an image to bring it to a certain place. Okay. Or sometimes when you're fixing it because it's like completely fucked up. Mm-hmm. But the process is not to is not meant to fix something that's not working. Yeah. You know, it's meant to bring something that's good to give a better it, place. Give it some style. Yeah. <coughs> so when you're when you're at that stage, hopefully everything is looking good. Mm-hmm. And if you've gotten close to the look you're going for, then it should be a little bit of tweaking to get there. Okay. But it, it really shouldn't be a, a huge overhaul on the whole uh, film. But I'm sure a lot of the times that does happen. Have you experienced that? 
Um, let me think about this. I've never done like a huge overhaul of like a film to make it look like something completely different. I don't okay. think I've ever done that. But I, I have done some pretty extreme stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's because it was asked for. But never like... So it was pre-visualized. They knew they wanted they, it from the start. They knew they wanted to go in that direction. But it was a yeah. lot of like tweaking and really pushing it to get to that place. But never like, holy shit, this looks bad. I have to fix this. <laughs> like, well, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. It's never gotten there yet. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Okay. So yeah. Um, I guess just give them a little very quick crash course. How do you get... A naturalized look. Um, well, like when I edit, I'll go to one of two things. Like if I'm editing something super quick that can be done in uh, Premiere, I'll do it because the, the color tools are um, decent and you can get a lot done with them if you know how to use it. Like I've, come, I've become very quick and familiar with Premiere's mm. coloring uh, suite, so I know how to do something very uh, easily in there. But Usually you'll go to a program like uh, DaVinci Resolve, um, back in the day, uh, SpeedGrade, and there's a lot of different software um, for color correction, but like Resolve is kind of a... If you were to tell people, use this one, you can only pick one, what would it be? (laughs) Well, DaVinci Resolve is free, so... DaVinci it is. (laughs) We're on a budget. It's free for the uh, trial version. Yeah. Sorry, the the free version is free, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, you can't do the non-pro. Yeah, you can't do 4K outputting from there. So if you shot in 4K, you can't use it unless you buy mm-hmm. it. Uh, but you know, it's it's good software. But the basic thing is um, make sure the image, the color is balanced, so it's not leaning too much in one direction. So your whites look white. Mm-hmm. They don't look pink or or green or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it's all neutral, uh, if that's what you're going for. But if you shot it to look a little more yellow, then you can do that. Mm. And then go from there. Bring up the contrast, bring up the saturation, uh, darken uh, anything that's too bright, or bring up anything that's too dark up, and, and just get your image looking as close as you can to what it should. Yeah, so like those are kind of the little steps to go through, and there's so many different tools to do these things. In, in color correction so uh, the best way I find to communicate with the colorist is to you know give them an example of what you're looking for and then very be very blunt not blunt but like very specific about what you're trying to go for like if you're talking to them and it's like it's, it's just too green they know how to fix if something is too green it's literally just going in the other direction mm-hmm. um, yeah it's not a huge process. Like, it shouldn't take you a month to do color correction, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, a good colorist <coughs> can do it within a week, hopefully. Okay, sweet. All right, so, at this point, was there anything else we did for this movie? Or was the movie done? Hmm. No, that was it. That was it, and then we got ready for the screen. Amazing. And we're pretty tight. Like, we did the mix, the sound mix, mm-hmm. and the color correction. It was getting close, and we need to get it ready for the final uh, screening. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this episode has gone quite long. We'll wrap it up here and just say that congratulations. Barring something gone, going very wrong, you finish your first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so once again, podcast brought to you by Pippa. 
pippa.io. It's a podcast hosting service, pretty cheap, like nine, twelve bucks a month. Host unlimited episodes on there. They give you transcripts, and they have a cool tool called Sniper, which you can take five to twenty seconds of that transcript and turn it into like a GIF with sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pippa.io. Yeah, use them. They're awesome. We do because they're awesome. Yeah, All right. awesome. All right, we will see you for. I think the final episode of the Party Stories one. Let me quickly search up that podcasting, sorry, that color correction uh, podcast. And as I do that, I'll sing Old MacDonald. Not found it too late. (laughs) It's called the Colorist Podcast. (laughs) Uh, It's a shame. The chief speaks Burmese, so I was going to ask him to do it in Burmese. (laughs) Could you? Man, I'd have a hard time and it wouldn't be musical. If you <laughs> Could you ask, like slam poetry? <laughs> if you asked me to sing old... Burmese is the language of Burma or Myanmar. Mm. So if I did it in Burmese, I'd have such a hard time like doing it properly. Mm-hmm. It would sound like you were interrogating me. Mm-hmm. And I, as a Burmese citizen, was afraid for my life and didn't know what to say to you. <laughs> Do the first line. Oh man, okay. Jeez, this is really hard. Yeah, I know I'm fighting on the yeah, spot here. I, I speak Burmese, but it's so hard to like just like translate on the go. Old, old McDonald. Just okay. Okay, go ahead. A poor McDonald. <laughs> ah, I don't know what the word for farm in Burmese is. It's okay. Just so you know, I only speak one language, so whatever you say, like I won't be able to tell. <laughs> uh poor McDonald. Farm Shide. <laughs> Eddie Farma. Noah Shide. Alright, that's pretty. Yeah. That's, I'm <laughs> that's done. A I'm stuck there. After I said, I, I said, like, on that farm there is a cow. Because <laughs> it doesn't start with a cow. But that's all I could figure out. That's alright, man. You did great. Very exotic. You know what? That's the first time in history. That's ever happened. Like what Probably. Just, what just happened? We made history today. We'll be sure to put that in the tagline for the episode. We made history. Okay, cool.